Welcome to the Shadron Berean Church Podcast, where you'll find some of the latest teachings from Shadron Berean Church in Shadron, Nebraska. We are a loving community of believers growing in God's grace in Christ together. The heartbeat of our church is to have deep roots in the Word of God and to bear fruit by passionately applying it to our lives by His power for His glory. And we thank you for joining us. morning. It is uh, good to be here. It's always good to be here. And uh, I think it's good to be here. Um, I told my wife on the way down, my stomach hurt. And she said, well, are you okay? You got a bug? I said, no, I'm just nervous. And uh, (laughs) my normal job is behind the back end of a concrete truck, and I don't do a lot of talking during my day. And over the years, that kind of takes a toll, because then you get put in a position like this, and you hunt for those words that you knew once, and they're just, they're they're right there, but not quite. Oh, I trust the Lord will take care of my stammering tongue. One of the reasons we come to this church on a regular basis is because we can count on the Word of God being preached. Um, That's kind of important. In our day and age, there's a lot out there that is under the guise of Scripture, uh, the guise of the Word of God, but it's not. Uh, I spent, um, because of my lack of experience lately in the in the pulpit I spent all week watching reruns of my my best life now and uh you know how I can live that <laughs> yeah you're missing me you know that famous preacher who's a feel good guy yeah I was watching reruns so I kind of get in the mode and the mood of being able to to talk right and and deliver a good positive message you believe that good because I didn't really do that. <laughs> One of the hardest parts about me for preaching is getting started. So this is all helping me get started. Can you identify, Ed? Can you identify with that? Yeah, yeah. Turn in your Bibles, finally, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to look this morning at Three classifications of men. When I say men, I say that generically as in mankind. I'm not excluding women, children. It is mankind as created man. We want to look at three classifications from our passage in 1 Corinthians 2.14 for the purpose today of self-examination. And, and here's, here's where I'm coming from. I have been in church... My whole life, almost born in church, I sat in the front with my mom and listened to my dad preach for, I don't know, 40 years, and other pastors as well. My father-in-law is a pastor, brother-in-laws and brothers. And one of the things I find over time is that we come, and it's tradition, we come and we sit and we listen. Okay? 
And after a while, there's a danger of the truth passing right over here. It's right there. We can almost touch it. We can almost understand. We can almost grab it, but it, it's there and I'm drifting off to what am I going to have for lunch or, uh, you know, what's the golf course look like today or uh, what can I shoot at this afternoon or, uh, you know, we got all these things going on in our lives and the one time of the week we have to sit down and be quiet and hear the word of God, we tend to drift. And what happens over a lifetime of doing that or years of doing that is we lose track of where we are spiritually. We're going through the motions. We're doing what we're supposed to do. We're looking like we're supposed to look. Right? So it doesn't hurt us from time to time to go back to some of the basics and look into the Word of God and say, where am I? If there's classifications of men and Scripture brings them out, where am I in that? And that's, that's hence the message today. I hope you are challenged, not by me, but from the Word of God, to look, uh, take a good hard look at your heart and where you are spiritually. Because that's why we're here, isn't it? Uh, we're not here to talk about the weather and, and all that stuff. We take care of that before or after the service. But right now we're here to have our hearts challenged so that we might be formed and changed into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. That takes work. Sometimes that takes hard work. Sometimes it takes painful work in our hearts and lives as we let the, let the Holy Spirit work. You're here today, I, I don't know where you are spiritually. I, I really don't. We could take a poll and I, we could raise hands and, and um, you know, and do all that. But that doesn't really matter. What matters is that it's between you and God. Not you and me and God, just you and God as to where you're at. Scripture warns us in numerous places that we are not to be self-deceived. You ever read that? I think of one Galatians, uh, was it six? Six, be not deceived. That's right, it's blatant. It's, it's, it's a command, it's an imperative. Don't be deceived. Why? Because you and I are easily deceived. We're fooled. And if you don't believe that, just read some of the scams on Facebook or the people that call you and are going to make you a million dollars overnight if you just do this, that, and the other thing, right? Scams, deception is everywhere. Well, if self-deception is an option, then wouldn't we and shouldn't we want to know the truth about ourselves? If God says I can be deceived, easily deceived, then hadn't I better listen to God to learn the truth? rather than deception. Many times we find ourselves blundering through life without a thought as to where we are headed, what our destiny is, our purpose for life. So we want to look at three men here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and, and verse 14 is really our, one, of, one of our key verses, but I want to read starting at verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. 
But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. He's listening carefully. There's some basic truth here. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Okay? Remember that. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is of God, that we might know those things that are freely given to us of God. Which things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. (coughs) But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with solid food, for to this time you were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye now able. Excuse me. Never fails. I talk for five minutes and my throat starts to go, so. Did you pick up three different kinds of men? Three classifications of men there. The first one that we want to look at is, number one, the natural man. The natural man, primarily in verse 14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. This natural man, that, that the word there is sukakos, and it means of the senses or sensual. That's his heart, that's his base. Okay, everything related to the senses. He lives life by the, by the senses. Hear, smell, taste, whatever feels good. That, that type of man. Now, how do you get to be that type of man, the natural man? Did you do something special to become a natural man? Yeah, you did. One thing. You got born. Right? You're born that way. We were all born that way as natural men. We came into this world as sensual, living by our senses. And a baby, first thing out, can prove that. Because immediately, what happens? Well, it gets hungry and it starts crying, right? And then uh, it gets a little sore around the backside and it needs change and it starts crying, okay? Just living by what it feels what it senses, okay? Well, here's a description of the natural man. Over, turn with me to Romans chapter 1 and verse 19. I want you to turn there. I know we don't do a lot of that anymore, but I encourage you to. (coughs) It's one thing to hear the word spoken. It's another thing to read it and to hear it at the same time because it ought to stick with us, Okay? So here's, here's an apt description of the natural man. The natural man is still in Adam. Does that, does that mean anything to you? If you were in my Sunday school class a year ago, you would, you, you'd know that. But 
We're born in Adam. That is, Adam is the representative of who we are as a race, okay? The natural man. That changes when we come to Christ. But right now, we're talking about Adam. Verse 19, chapter 1 of Romans. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him, that's God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. What's he saying? Quite simply, look around and you'll see God. How did it get here? Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are, who's they? People. Us. We're without excuse. Okay? Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was dark, and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, <coughs> and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You with me here? We knew God, we know God from creation and his eternal power. And what did we do? We turned our back on God. We denied, we resisted, said, no, he doesn't exist. There is no God. Okay? And thinking we're very wise, what happened to us? We became idiots, morons. That's the word, fools, moronic. Boy, look around. Got any morons loose? <laughs> and in that, verse 23, changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like us, or birds, or four-footed beasts and creeping things. Idolatry. We changed God from who he is as the holy, awesome, one and only, eternal God into a Creeping thing made like us. Well, that ought to disgust us. That's idolatry. And we're guilty. Verse 24, Wherefore, because of that, God gave them up to uncleanness through the, lust, through the lusts of their hearts <coughs> to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Even the women did exchange the natural use for that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which unseemly and receiving in themselves... The the recompense of their error which was fitting. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not seemly, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, insolent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they who commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Wow! Wake up! This is the world we're living in. This is us. 
without Christ. Right now, we're not there yet. This is us, the natural man. And you wonder why our world is looking like it looks. Why we're going down the tubes so fast we can't even catch a breath. You wonder why? God tells us why right there. Because we ignored, forsook, gave up, said no to God, the Creator. I don't know if you've read that passage recently, but it's kind of an eye-opener, isn't it? Man, God spells it out, and it's exactly what we see all around us. We're bombarded with it everywhere we look. That's the natural man. That's his description. Here in, in back in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man, he, there's some things about him. <coughs> he doesn't receive the things of God. He can't accept the things of God. His eyes aren't open to the things of God. That's why when, when we hear, see or hear people interviewed about uh, some catastrophe or something that's happened, why would God let this happen? They have no idea of how God is or how he works. They can't know him. Still in their natural state, dead in trespasses and sins. John 14, 17 talks about the spirit of God. It says the world can't receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. <coughs> okay, that's a key that's a key thing. Jude. Everybody always says Jude chapter 1. That's a funny, right? Jude 17. There is no one. Jude 17. But beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These are they who separate themselves. There's our word, sensual, sukakos, having not the Spirit. Mark that down. Having not the Spirit, capital S, Spirit of God. That's key. All right? James also writes that the wisdom that people have today without God descends not from above, but is earthly. It is sensual, having not the spirit. Picking up on a little theme here about the natural man. If you want to identify him, what's one key thing? He doesn't have the spirit of God. Okay, write it down, mark it down. That's a big problem. When you don't have the Spirit of God, how will you understand the things of God? That's what we just read in our overall passage, right? What man understands the things of God but the Spirit of God? In other words, no man understands it. It takes the Spirit of God to understand the things of God. Right? You with me? Okay. Well, what else do we know about the natural man? Spiritual realities are foolishness to him. The things that we as believers would hold dear and count on and take our confidence in, what some of those things might be prayer, 
meeting together collectively as a body for instruction and fellowship, they would look at those things and many other spiritual realities such as sin, heaven, hell, eternity. <coughs> they look at those and say, what? It's foolishness. Well, that, that's, that's stupid. You go ahead and go off to your church. It doesn't do any good anyway. That God's dead, don't you know? So they're foolishness to him. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that are dying foolishness. Well, who's dying? Who's perishing? The natural man is perishing. He just doesn't know it. That's a result of sin back in the garden. In the day you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. And that got passed on to all mankind so that all who are born are born dead spiritually born dead to God, okay? So spiritual realities are foolishness to him. Next, he can't know them in this verse because they are spiritually understood or discerned. See, the problem here is the natural man doesn't have the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God, how are you going to know God? Romans 8, 9 Last part says, if any man has not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. Are you with me there? So you don't have the Spirit of God. Natural man doesn't have the Spirit of God. He's born without it. He's born dead in trespasses and sins. Doesn't have the Spirit. And, and Scripture says, if he doesn't have the Spirit, you don't belong to God. And according to this verse... You can't understand the things of God and the things that God is doing and actually the reality of who God is. The natural man is unrenewed through the new birth without the Spirit of God with the result he cannot understand spiritual things. Is that fairly clear? From Scripture. I think it's pretty right out there in your face, right? So here's the question. I don't know you. Are you here today? Do you fit that category? That's why we're here, is to have the Word of God speak to us. So I, I, I just throw out that challenge. Are you in that camp, the natural man? Are you without the Spirit of God? Are you without Christ? I don't know. But I pray that God would speak to your heart through his spirit. And if that's the case, today would be the day that you would trust Christ. Because the next step is the spiritual man. Now, when I say the spiritual man, <coughs> you might think it's, uh, what would be the right word? Uh, qualitative? <laughs> uh, spiritual. I remember when, when I went to Bible college, we talked about being spiritual. And one of the jokes that we had is if you wore one of these, you were more spiritual, right? right? And if you had a bigger one of these that was black, you were more spiritual. Well, that's not the kind of spiritual I'm talking about. I'm talking at, about spiritual as opposed to natural, okay? That's the, that's the contrast. That's the, the difference we want to see here. It's really the exact opposite of what we just described about the natural man. Okay? 
So the spiritual man, number two, is pneumaticos. That is, he has the spirit. Spiritual truths are revealed to him through the spirit of God. Your eyes are opened. How many of you experienced that when you came to Christ? The things that before were foolishness to you, all of a sudden, ding, made sense. Is that true? Anybody here experience that? The things of the Word of God, you might have read it before, but now when you read it, whoa, it jumps off the page. It's alive. And that's because you made a decision to trust Christ. That is true. But the heart of the matter is what? What happened when you trusted Christ? You see, the spiritual man... According to Ephesians 5.18, here's a spiritual man described. Be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What happens? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to God, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. That's the spiritual man. That's what he looks like. Why? What did you notice there? He's filled with the Spirit. He's controlled, if you would, by the Spirit. So here's the question. The natural man doesn't have the Spirit of God. We come to Christ, trusting in His work on the cross for our salvation, forgiveness of sins. Okay, great. How do I get the Spirit? You know, some people ask back in the book of Acts, I've never even heard of the Spirit. How do I get them? Well, fortunately, we don't have to go through that transition that they did because we know when we trust Christ, who comes in? Who takes over? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God does. So how do you get the Spirit of God? Trust Christ. Place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I can prove that to you in Ephesians 1 and verse 13. Yeah, it, it, that, that, if you know Ephesians 1 from 3 to 14 is one big long sentence. So anywhere I start in the middle of the sentence. Grammatically, I'm not supposed to do that, but I am going to start in verse 13. Talking about Christ, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So there it is. After you heard the word of truth. The good news of your salvation, that is, Christ came, died, buried, rose again, so that he might redeem the world from sin, right? Be able to forgive us justly from our sin, (coughs) to change us from a natural man into a spiritual man. What happened? In whom... Also, after, or literally when you believed, you were sealed with what? That Holy Spirit of promise, who is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of the glory of God. The Holy Spirit is the earnest money of our salvation, looking forward to the time when we will go to glory, that we are His. The Spirit of God is that seal. He's the finality. He's the stamp. He's the mark. How'd you get him? 
by faith in Jesus Christ. And our eyes are open. We begin to understand. We begin to see. Scripture takes on new meaning. Well, another word for that would be back, I, I won't turn there, I'll run out of time, but uh, John, uh, John chapter 3, I believe, Nicodemus, story of Nicodemus, right? And Jesus told him he had to be what? Born twice, born again, born of the water and born of the spirit, right? So how did Nicodemus, he couldn't understand, how do you get born again? Well, it's new life. To be born again is not to, is to be born naturally, but also to be born spiritually, to be made alive, regeneration, right? Do you know that? You've been regenerated? I don't feel like that when I get up in the morning, but I, take, I, I trust God that that's true about my spiritual life. I've been made alive. And the Spirit of God is the witness. It is only through the Spirit of God that we can know the things of God. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 2. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, capital S, who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So what's the difference? <coughs> we started off with verse 9. Eye has not seen, ears not heard, hadn't entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. The natural man has no idea, no understanding of what God is doing in this time right now. He can't fathom it. He can't grasp that knowledge. It doesn't make sense to him. But verse 12 says, when we receive the Spirit of God, what happens? So that we might know the things that God has prepared. So that the things our ear, uh, ear can't hear, our eye can't see, our heart can't understand, now they become understandable. Why? Because we've got the teacher within that's who the Spirit of God is. He's the comforter, but he's also the teacher. He reveals Christ. He brings glory to Christ. So we've seen the natural man, the man without Christ, the man without the Spirit of God. We've seen the spiritual man, the born-again man, the recipient of the Spirit of God, no longer under the condemnation of sin and darkness, but a child of God. Right? I trust that you examine your heart here today and that you can say, yes, John, yes, pastor, I am in the classification of the spiritual man. I trust that's where you are. If not... I'd encourage you to talk to the pastor, talk to me, one of the guys here. Find out about the living Christ and what he can mean to you and what he can do in your life. Well, that brings us to the third man, chapter 3. And quite honestly, this man shouldn't exist. Shouldn't even exist. Okay? The natural man, by nature, we're born, he exists. The spiritual man, by the grace of God, he exists. 
But apart from this passage and a couple other notes here and there, the book of Romans talking about our position, this carnal man, that's number three, the carnal man, sarcicus, the flesh, he lives according to what he feels, back to the senses, if you would. What he is <coughs> in Adam, he's, he's a spiritual man by position, but he's still living as if he's a natural man. Yeah, you get that? It'd be a little confusing. Let's read it again. Verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 1, I, Paul says, brethren, I couldn't talk to you. And, and one thing we need to know is, if, if you're not familiar with the, the, this letter to Corinth, one of the things that he, he's writing with, it's kind of a, not a, um, what would you say, a pleasant letter? It's a corrective letter. It's a disciplinary letter. And this is one of the problems. That's why I had to write it. I write unto you, I can't write unto you or speak unto you as unto spiritual. There's our term. What's it mean? Born again, controlled by the Spirit of God, right? He can't write to them that way. Why? Because you're still carnal. You're babies in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for this time. You couldn't swallow it or digest it. And you're still not able, Right? For you are yet carnal. Okay? So let's have a look here. We have a renewed, regenerate, born-again, spirit-indwelt man who is still living under the control of the Adamic nature. Paul says, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual. You're still worried about basics and things that don't matter. Or your life is not a testimony to the filling ministry of the Spirit of God. I give you some more bad news here. Sorry. Galatians 5, it's God's word, the fruit of the flesh. Not the spirit. The carnal man, fruit of the flesh. It's ugly. The works of the flesh are shown. In other words, they show. You're, you're a carnal believer, you know what? Your works are going to show. You might think you're fooling people, but it's going to come out. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, wrath, factions, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the like, of which I told you in time past and tell you again, those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The, the carnal man, what does he produce? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance? No, not even on his radar. He can't produce them. Why? Because they come from the Spirit of God. And the carnal, the carnal Christian... Okay? The fleshly Christian, the man who's living according to the desires of Adam and his own flesh and what he wants, he can't produce those things. Why? Only the Spirit of God can. Only the Spirit of God produces the fruit of the Spirit. 
That's not something you and I conjure up and generate and, oh, I'm going to be loving today. How's that work for you? It doesn't work for me. I've tried and tested that one over and over again. It doesn't work. So Paul says, I have to speak to you as like babies. Ever seen a five to ten year old young child sucking on a bottle? Is that the norm? That's not the norm. It's almost nauseating. What in the world is that kid doing with it? Give me that stinking bottle. Oh. Right? It is no more normal than that for a believer to still be a baby and need baby food. Salvation over and over and over. The basics of Repentance, baptism, quoting Hebrews, laying on of hands. Things that are part of the Christian life, but not vital to my daily life in living for Christ. And we argue or we, we have different <clears throat> what's the word? coalitions, committees, trying to think of the right word, but groups of thought that want to argue over those kinds of things and make that the pattern and the important thing rather than Christ. That's the difference. Baby food, meat. Okay? Personally, I don't care for baby food anymore. I do like meat. Paul had to feed them with milk. They couldn't digest solid food, the meat of the scriptures. They weren't mature enough to handle it. Why weren't they mature enough? Because they're not allowing the Spirit of God to control them and teach them and fill them the things of Christ. And when you don't allow the Spirit of God to have full control in your life, what happens? You become stagnant. You might be saved... Right? You're in that position of being righteous before God because of Christ, but there's no growth. There's no interest. Why? Because your heart's not thinking that way. You're thinking about you. I'm thinking about me, myself, the ultimate narcissist. That's how we are, you know. Still carnal. Producing the works of the flesh rather than the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 3, you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal or fleshly? And walk as mere unregenerate men, natural men. Your testimony, my testimony, walking in the flesh is what? It looks just like every other natural man on earth. In fact, it's worse. <laughs> the most miserable man on earth is a believer who refuses to allow Christ to control his life. 
and the angst and the turmoil and the guilt and the stress that that creates within is a killer. And what a testimony to God's grace. Category three. Unfortunately, that man can be found in a setting like this where we come every Sunday and we listen, we take our notes, we give our money, we say howdy and shake hands and a big smile and yet controlled by the flesh. As carnal as the un, as carnal as the natural man. You with me there? So, you've seen him, the natural man, Spiritual man, carnal man. What's the cure? What's the cure? Well, I'd say it in a nutshell. The cure is Christ. Plain and simple. There is no other. The, the cure is Christ. The natural man, the cure for the natural man, he needs to be born again. We need to place our faith in Christ alone. Receive the Holy Spirit. So we have the Spirit of God. Why? So we can understand the things of the Spirit of God. The spiritual man, what's, what's a cure? Well, he doesn't really need a cure, but he does need sustenance. It says in Galatians, walk in the Spirit, 5.16, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So a spiritual man can have these carnal temptations. How does he ward that off? Walk in the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. Allow Christ to be Lord. And we won't <coughs> fulfill the lusts of the flesh. There it is. It's a promise. The carnal man? <coughs> well, there's a variety of terms we can use. Yield. That's a big one. Yield. Yield to Christ. I remember a day, I can't remember the years anymore. I think it was Yeah, it's pretty close to forty years ago. When I knelt in my living room, I said, God, I give up. That was a turning point in my life. God began to change me. I was a spiritual man. I trusted Christ when I was a young five years old. But through the years, I knew nothing of walking, surrendered to Christ <clears throat> until that day. And wow, what a change he did. So, cure for a carnal Christian, yield confession. Confession of sin, confession of self-reliance. 
Confession of the sin of self-dependence. Positively, by faith, reckoning, believing what God says about me being dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. Make a choice and cry out to God that your desire is to walk in the Spirit, no longer to walk in the flesh. So what is it going to be for you? I challenge you today that if if you're in either category other than the spiritual man, that you make some hard decisions. They're hard, but they're the best. Trust Christ. Yield to Christ. See, guys, that's the essence of Christianity That is why we're here. That's why we've been redeemed. Did you know that we didn't get saved so that we could come on Sundays and go to church? Find that in Scripture. And if you do, you can just make me choke on it. It's not in there. We've been redeemed and saved so that we may grow in Christ Coming and meeting together is part of that process. That's how we grow. We hear the word. But if we don't do anything with it, if we don't make the choices, the hard choices, you know what? We're just going to stay on that plane of fleshly comfort. And eventually it will no longer be comfortable. It will bring misery. Right? I challenge you today. Trust Christ. For salvation, trust Christ with your life. Let's pray. Oh, our God, thank you for your word. I have to confess there are times I don't like it. Because your spirit uses it to point right at me and say, John, you're guilty. He uses that word to convict, to judge. And he uses that word to give us the answers and the cure and victory and life and righteousness through Christ. God, take that word today by your spirit and, and, and force feed us, if you would. Drive it deep within us. We bite me men, women, boys and girls who desire to change, to, to, to know Christ and live Christ so that when people see us, they see Christ so that they're drawn to Him, so that they want to know the difference and we can introduce them to Christ. Father, I thank You for each one here, for their their faithfulness, their trust in You. I thank You for Your grace in our lives and Your mercy. 
We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.